Where do the New York Giants as a franchise need to show the most progress? I'll give you a few goals that I'd like to see met coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trainer, credentialed member of the New York Giants media for Locked On, as well as for Giants country over on Fan Nation. And I want to send a special welcome on this Friday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast to my everydayers, to my Blue Crew community members, to my newcomers and everybody in between. You are all appreciated and loved by yours truly. Thank you for making us your first listener of the day or if you're watching YouTube, your first watch of the day. And on today's Locked On Giants podcast, look, we all know it. The Giants have a lot of work to do this offseason to get this roster fixed. And while it might be a little too early to set statistical goals, but there are some macro goals that we can set for this team, goals that will indicate that the Giants are headed in the right direction. So we're going to talk about a few of those to start off the program. And then we're going to transition into segment two to talk about Brian Dable. Now, Brian Dable, I've been doing a lot of thinking about, you know, the reports of his behavior, his sideline demeanor and all that stuff. And you know, I'm sure Coach Dable doesn't listen to this podcast, but if he is, by some stroke of luck or misfortune, whatever I want to call it, um, I have some thoughts on how he can grow as a coach moving forward. Something that's very basic, something that he's certainly capable of doing, and something that I would hope he would do, not just for the sake of, you know, his own health, but also for the sake of the health of the team. So that'll be segment two. And then we'll wrap things up in segment three with why it does make sense for the Giants to run it back with Daniel Jones this year. And I know a lot of you are probably groaning and saying, what are you talking about, Pat? Why would you want to run it back with Daniel Jones again? I'm going to explain why. And I have some reasons that I think make sense, but I'll let you guys be the judge of it as you always are on the content here on Lockdown Giants. So as always, again, thank you. Let's get into it. We've got a lot to cover, all right? We're going to start off with realistic turnaround goals. Now, you know, I get a lot of questions from listeners and from readers from Giants country. What are my predictions for this player's stat? What do I think the Giants win one loss record's going to be? What do I think, you know, this guy's stat's going to be? And I don't usually like to, you know, make those predictions because it's just too early. And, you know, quite honestly, it's it's too early to say, you know, what the one loss record is. We don't even know what the roster is going to look like. But in thinking about what represents progress for this Giants team, I think we could all agree that this year, this past season, 2023, the Giants took a step back. So what do they need to show? What do they need to work for to convince everybody that the direction, that the arrow is headed in the right direction? So I have a few things here. The first thing, obviously, is you want to see them 
get more wins than they did last year. Now, last year they were six and 11. The year before they were nine, seven and one. So for me, you know, considering that that first year was kind of, um, you know, a surprise, if you're the Giants, the first thing you want to do is you want to aim for at least nine wins. Ideally, you want to get to 10 wins if you can. And really, you know, there's no reason why they can't if they make the right moves, if they stay healthy. I mean, they're going to have an easier schedule this year, you know, by virtue of where they finished. Um, they probably are not going to be featured on primetime a lot like they were last year. I would hope at least they wouldn't be. Um, you guys know how I feel about primetime games, but, you know, let's be honest, the Giants just, they're not ready for primetime. So hopefully they won't be featured as much on primetime games. And, you know, they're going to have some new pieces, obviously, that are going to need to gel. And, you know, I've talked before about getting the team ready to play for the season. And, you know, I go back to last season and I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. I don't feel that the Giants were ready to start the season last year. I did not like how, you know, Brian Dable set up training camp and how, you know, they just, they came out against Dallas and they were flat. And they got punched in the mouth and they never recovered from that. And I attribute that to how they were prepared in the summertime. So, you know, there's little things, obviously, we can talk about down the line and we will talk about, you know, down the line. But um, there's no reason why, you know, if, if the Giants change up a few things, if they get some more talent in there, better coaching than what they've had at certain positions, there's really no reason why they can't get back to at least nine wins and ideally get into the double-digit win column for the first time since, I think, 2016. So, you know, that would be, you know, the first thing I would want to see from the Giants to know that, you know, the franchise is headed on the right in the right direction. Okay, the next thing, and this is so important, and I keep beating the drum about this, is I want to see the Giants finish the 2024 season with a winning record in the NFC East. They have not had that in some time now, All right? Last year, the Giants finished three and three in the NFC East, two wins over Washington, the one win over Philadelphia. I need to see them start winning the division games, all right? If they've got any chance of, you know, getting into the postseason, getting decent season uh, seating, they have got to start winning in the division. And, you know, last year we were optimistic. We were hoping that they had closed the gap with Dallas and Philadelphia, and we found out that they didn't. This year, they've got to close those gaps, and they've got to start being in positions to win those games. All right, and then the last thing that I think is going to represent the biggest, you know, sign of progress for this football team, and this is kind of, you know, fundamental, but we did not see it last year is we need to see progress from week to week to week amongst just not only players, but units. Now, you've heard me say before on the show that progress is never linear. It's not. It's going to go up and down, up and down. But you want to start seeing it going gradually up, dipping just a little bit, and just continuing to go up. All right? So take, for example, the offensive line. Can we sit here and say that the Giants offensive line looked better by week 17 than it did week one? I don't think we can. I mean, we saw the problems with picking up stunts. We saw the problems with, with 
you know, dual blocking and, and whatnot, you know, pass protection and, and all that stuff. The offensive line never got better. All right. Special teams never really got better. It was inconsistent in, in a lot of areas and they just never improved there. Daniel Jones, who we'll talk about a little later on in the program, never really, you know, started to go up. It, it, he was more on the downward slide. He had really, you could say, maybe two good quarters of football. And, you know, I know people are going to say, well, there were injuries and that factored in. But no, nah, folks, you got to look at the other stuff there, which we'll talk again. We'll talk about, you know, a little later on in the program. So you've got to see across the board the Giants starting to, you know, the stock's going up. There's going to be weeks where it's going to be bad. You know, every team has a clunker. The idea is not to have a lot of clunkers. So if the Giants can gradually show progress to where they are a better team in week 17 than they were in week one of the season, you know they're headed in the right direction. So those are the three main areas where I'm going to be looking for a turnaround, where I think it is realistic to have a turnaround. Now, obviously, once we get the players in here and we know what the roster is going to look like, we can talk about, you know, stat projections and bold predictions and all that other good stuff. But these are the three main goals that if you're the Giants, you kind of circle on your uh, to-do list and you say, okay, what do we need to do? What players do we need? What talent do we need? You know, what coaching schemes do we need to accomplish these goals? All right, coming up next, Brian Dable. You know, you talk about growth, you talk about progress. What can he do differently so that maybe he can mitigate some of the ill will that kind of popped up this offseason? We'll talk a little bit about that. And spoiler alert, it's something he already does with the players that he needs to do and expand upon. So we'll talk about that right after this. Hey, Giant fans, NFL's off season. What off season? Pretty soon we're going to have the combine, the free agency period, the draft, and then spring OTAs. And it's going to be a busy and productive time. And boy, am I thankful for DoorDash. Those days when there is no time to cook or when I need a delivery from my local pharmacy or grocery store, I know I can depend on DoorDash to bring me what I need when I need it. DoorDash is fast, easy, and convenient. Just download their app, find the establishment from which you want to order, and select from the menu options. You'll get what you ordered or they'll make it right. So the next time you're in a pinch and you need something right away, let DoorDash deliver for you. DoorDash, your door to more. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, P-Train. And next week on the Locked on Giants podcast, I'm working on my big show, which is making the case. Should the Giants go draft, free agency? And if so, who should they pick to fill some of these position needs that they have on their roster? So that's a show that I'm planning to roll out next week. I'm also hoping to have one of the NFL network draft analysts on the show next week. I put in a request and I have an idea who it's going to be. I'm just waiting to see if that individual is available. So we'll have that individual on when, um, when that's all confirmed and we'll talk draft. We'll get an idea of, you know, the upcoming combine. We'll preview the combine a little bit 
And we'll cover that, of course, you know, because that is a, a hot topic and a lot of questions regarding the draft and whatnot. But first, let's talk about Brian Dable. All right. Now, whether you believe some of the reports that came out about Dable's intensity, his sideline antics, you know, his behavior behind the scenes, that's, you know, I, I'm not here to tell you what to believe and what not to believe. You're, I think you're, you all are intelligent. You all have eyes. You all saw what you saw. So I'm not going to sit here and try to paint a rosy picture or, or try to whitewash anything. I won't do that to you. That being said, I do believe, and this is just my belief here now, Dable is a little too intense for his own good. Now, in a way that's good because, you know, when you're, when you want to win badly, you don't want to, you know, lie down and, and, and accept, for example, a bad call by the officials. You want to, you want to debate it spirit, you know, have a spirited debate, if you will, within reason. But where it gets a little dicey for me, and this is where I hope Dable, as a teacher, and he does pride himself in being a teacher, you know, you go out and you practice, and if your players screw up, instead of popping off at them, you teach, all right? And that's where I think Dable needs to really grow as a head coach, amongst other spots. But I'm talking about strictly his, his demeanor. We know he's a fiery type. We know he's a passionate guy. You know, I've asked him about, you know, in the past about popping off and how he balances it. And he kind of like joked a little bit about it. But in all seriousness, you can't keep popping off at people. All right. Um, if you're a teacher and I'm talking about a school teacher, university professor, whatever. If your students make a mistake. What good is it going to do you if you stand there and you berate them and you chastise them and you embarrass them in front of their classmates? What's that going to accomplish? I'll tell you what it's going to accomplish. Nothing. It's going to make you a hated person and it's going to create a barrier between yourself and your pupils. And I think, you know, one thing Dable, and he's still, you know, even though he's been in the coaching ranks now for quite some time, I think over 20 years, he's still a relatively new head coach. And one of the things he needs to learn is that that same approach that you take with the players, which is to teach and to nurture and to encourage, you have to take that with your staff too, because you have been appointed in charge of these people. All right. Even though some of them might be in the league longer than you have, some of them might have more experience. Some of them may have been head coaches at other levels. You are the head coach of the New York Giants. So if your, let's say your offensive line unit isn't performing up to snuff, what good is it during the game to yell at that person, that coach, and, and just, you know, put them on blast? You don't think that that coach sees it? And recognizes it and, and feels bad about it. So instead of just yelling, just whatever happened to the collaboration method, you know, supposedly during the week, Dable and his staff collaborate on everything, the game plan, the practice schedules, you name it, personnel, all that stuff. Why does that collaboration have to go away on game day? 
because you're in the heat of the moment. Mm -mm, Not an excuse. So I would hope, and not just for his health, because I've said this before, when you're constantly popping off, you're raising your blood pressure. And I don't know what his health status is or, you know, what kind of physical condition he might be in. But I do know that if you were constantly popping off, that can't be good for your blood pressure. So I would hope if nothing else, he would find a way to be a little bit more chill, even as hard as it might be. All right. Maybe show that composure that you show with the media after a game when you've just gotten your your backside handed to you by your opponent. You know, we have to coach better. We have to teach better. We have to practice better. Take that same approach because yelling is not going to solve anything. It's just going to make you look like an ogre. It's going to make people dislike you. It's going to make people want to leave your staff. And it's just going to, you know, it's going to spread your reputation. Now, disclaimer here. Obviously, I am not in the coaching meetings. I am not privy to, you know, the reactions, whether Dable blasts people or he sits them down and calmly says, you know, hey, hey, um, Andre Patterson, for example. Hey, Andre, what happened with the defensive line on in the third quarter on that third down play? You know, or is he just yelling and, and saying, you know, what the heck are you guys doing? I don't know that. Nobody knows that except the people that are in that room. But, you know, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And if, you know, we've, we have seen Gable, you know, pop off on the sideline. And it just needs to be directed constructively is what I'm saying. And, you know, if Dable's going to get up there and say, you know, this is who I am. Okay. That concerns me a little bit because anybody who gets up there and says, this is who I am, love me or hate me, you know, but I'm not changing. We can all stand to change. We can all stand to grow. Tom Coughlin grew. All right. He came in. Remember, uh, those of you who remember when he first came in, he was a hard-nosed coach. His players did not care for him. A lot of them did not. All right. Coughlin was so... um, on the wrong side of the players that they actually reported him to the NFLPA because he was in violation of the CBA rules. You think if they had liked him that they would have done that? Probably not. But Coughlin changed. He became, you know, more willing to build relationships, constructive relationships. That didn't mean that he got soft. That didn't mean that he let guys get away with, you know, slacking off or anything like that. But he became a little bit more of a player's coach, if you will. Dable, right from all accounts, is a player's coach. He does pop off. We, we've seen it. He just needs to be, you know, based, again, based on what we have seen and what's come out, just be an overall type of people's coach, if you will. Doesn't mean that you have to be soft. Doesn't mean that you have to run a country club. Doesn't mean that you have to, you know, look the other way if somebody screws up. But popping off and getting all emotional doesn't solve anything other than, you know, the only thing it does is it creates ill will and bad feelings. So my hope is that as Dable 
sits down and he looks at his own performance. Don't just sit there and say, this is who I am. Love me or, or, you know, or not. But that he sits down and he looks at himself and he says, okay, this is what I can do better to be a better head coach, a better mentor, a better teacher, just better overall. So with that, I think we'll also contribute to the progress that hopefully we see these, this, this team make moving forward. All right, coming up next, I'm going to go there. Yep. I'm going to tell you why I think the Giants should run it back with Daniel Jones for this year. And before you turn off the program, hear me out on this, all right? Because it kind of makes sense if you think about it. I'll tell you right after this. Hey, Giant fans, are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drivers and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. And gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. In short, the 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-side crossover for your next adventure. Nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, which has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So go on and take the Nissan Rogue or the Nissan Pathfinder and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got Patricia Trainer here on this Friday, the 16th of February. We are almost done with the month. The scouting combine coming up in a couple of weeks. Going to be a lot to talk about, a lot of stuff. And we, of course, here at the Locked on Giants podcast, will have all of it for you as we get it. So hope you will stay tuned in. And of course, don't forget to check out my written work over on Giants Country. We're putting out a lot more content this time of year. So this way you never miss anything. So anyway, why should the Giants run it back with Daniel Jones? Why does it make sense this year? And I can just hear the the groans now. People are saying, oh, no, what are you doing? you got to move on from Daniel Jones. We've got to cut the cord. We've got to get a new quarterback, whether it's a veteran, whether it's a draft pick. Hear me out on this, folks. First off, I do believe the Giants are going to add to the quarterback room. They have to. Joe Shane has said it. I do believe they're going to bring in a veteran. You know, he said that. You know, Daniel is not ready from his ACL rehab, that they want a guy who can come in and potentially win some games for them if he has to start. I do think that they are going to add a quarterback as well in the draft, whether it's first round, that I'm not so sure about. But I could see somebody maybe coming in day two. All right. So here's the scenario. I believe with the quarterback situation, what the Giants are going to do is sort of similar to what they did when they brought in Tyrod Taylor. If you remember, 
They signed Tyrod Taylor because they weren't really sure what they were going to get from Daniel Jones at the time. They had declined his fifth-year option, and they brought in Tyrod Taylor, and they structured that contract in such a way that if Taylor started, he got a bump in his pay raise. If he didn't, then he had a modest you know, salary that he earned as the backup. The difference here, though, is that if the Giants do add a young quarterback, and again, I do think they will, not necessarily in round one, unless they they buck you know the trends and they go up and they trade for one, um, which I still say doesn't make sense, at least as of this writing. But uh, I do think you know a quarterback is in the mix, and the reason why I say it kind of makes sense to run it back with Daniel Jones if he is healthy is twofold. Number one, we all know he's going to be on the roster. His salary cap figure makes it impossible for the Giants to cut him. They're just not getting rid of him. Whether you like it or not, he's going to be on this roster. Now, this is, of course, the escape patch year. After this year, the Giants can move on from him if they want to. So let's say, for example, the Giants bring in a veteran. Let's just pick a name out of the hat. Let's say it's Jacoby Brissett. They draft the quarterback in the second round. Again, let's pick a name out of the hat. Let's say it's J.J. McCarthy out of uh, Michigan. Do you honestly think J.J. McCarthy is going to be ready to roll week one? Probably not. They're going to probably want to develop him a little bit, you know, help him acclimate to the NFL, get him ready, you know, learn the offense, you know, make sure that the offensive line is stabilized, you know, get the, the receiving game up to snuff, have everything ready for when the transition ultimately comes. So in the interim, you have Daniel Jones who knows the, the system, you know, you let him play it out for as long as he's healthy, you let him play it out. So this way you can take your time. If you do bring in a young player, you can develop him. You don't have to rush him out there. Because look, you go back to 2019, and I will say this until I'm blue in the face. I feel that the Giants rushed Daniel Jones into the starting lineup. He wasn't ready. You know, they they were so desperate to get him into the starting lineup because of his mobility, which Eli Manning did not have. And, you know, in rushing Daniel into the starting lineup, they didn't have a solid offensive line. They didn't really have, you know, a number one receiver. They didn't have a lot of things, so they set him up to fail. And then when they started to, you know, fire coaches and offensive coordinators and all this stuff, they further set him up to to fail. So if you are bringing in a young quarterback, don't do that. Don't rush him out there. You know, this team, regardless of what they do as far as personnel changes, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're not even going to come close to the Super Bowl. I'm telling you that right now. And that's that's just a reality. There's just a lot that has to be done, a lot of progress that needs to be made. And you can say, oh, well, you know, teams can get lucky. You know, the Lions that came close. Yeah, but the Lions got better over, you know, gradually. They just didn't go from worst to first, you know. So that being said, you give the um, the young quarterback, if you bring one in, which, again, I think they will, you give him time to develop. You make sure everything around him is stabilized. Then you make the transition at the right time, whether that's midway through the season, whether that's 
you know, if God forbid Daniel gets hurt again, which, you know, I don't wish injury on anybody. Um, now you say to yourself, okay, well, why would you want to carry, you know, another quarterback, a veteran quarterback? Here's the thing, folks. If Daniel Jones plays relatively well, once he gets back, potentially you could look to see if after this year, maybe you can move him in a trade. Now I know you're thinking who the heck's going to trade for Daniel Jones, but he a man on this. If Jones rebounds and plays like he did in 2022 and he's healthy and he avoids the injury bug, you don't think there's going to be teams out there that is going to, that will be looking for a quarterback, a veteran quarterback to come in and service either a stopgap or, or, you know, a starter or whatever. There usually are every year you find them every year. And if the giants can do that, all right, let's take a look at, at uh, Jones's 2025 cap hit, right? 12.12 12 million of his 30 million base salary in 2025 becomes fully guaranteed as of March 15th, 2025. So Jones has a good year, even if it's part of the year and you can move him in a trade. You're going to save a lot of money. How much you ask? You're going to save $19.395 million on the base salary. You're going to take a $22.21 million dead money hit. But again, the salary cap is going to go up. And if that's the worst you have, you have to take as a potential hit, it's not bad. I mean, usually you want the, the savings to be a little bit higher than the dead money hit. But because they restructured Jones last year, that's not going to be the case right now. Let's say they hold on to Jones. They, they don't, um, they don't manage to do a trade before, you know, the guaranteed money kicks in. If they do a post June 1st trade. And again, if, if a team loses a starter due to injuries and they want to, you know, gamble, run, run the risk of, you know, gamble here because, um, Maybe they can hold on to him. And I don't think, by the way, they would do this because you don't know if, if you're going to be able to move them. If they do a post-June 1st trade, they save $30.5 million and they have a dead money hit of $11.105 million in 2025 and 2026, which is a little bit better. But again, I don't think it'll come down to that because you can't just sit there and say, oh, somebody will get hurt and we'll be able to move them. You got to kind of move your guy before the um, before the draft, in my opinion. And I might also point out that the early word on the 2025 quarterback class is that it's not as good as the 2024 class. So again, you'll always have teams looking for a quarterback. And if the Giants get themselves a young guy to come in to be their, their future, if Daniel Jones is not it, you try and you move Daniel for trade assets. Stranger things have happened, folks. Don't sit there and tell me, oh, who's going to trade for Daniel Jones? Stranger things have happened. And it's not as far-fetched as you think. It's contingent, obviously, on a lot of things, how he performs, whether they get the, you know, the rookie guy that they want. And I do believe they will take a young quarterback because, you know, as I discussed yesterday with uh, Justin Pennick, you know, if they go and they get their quarterback, Brian Dable and, and Joe Shane, they are going to buy themselves some time in order to continue rebuilding this team and getting this team on track. And it just makes sense to do it. 
So that's why, ladies and gentlemen, I think it makes sense for the Giants' intention at any rate, as of right now, to run it back with Daniel Jones at least to start the season. The team's probably not going anywhere. You do want to see progress. I mentioned, you know, the, the milestones that I'd like to see in the first segment of this show. If you're thinking about a deep playoff run, if you're thinking about Super Bowl for next year, that's not happening. Baby steps is what it's going to take. So you got to think positively. You know, ideally, I think the Giants would like for Daniel Jones to be the guy. And if they end up drafting another guy and it turns out that Daniel Jones proves to be that he, you know, that he could be the guy, then maybe you look to flip the, the younger guy at some point. I don't know. But that's how I kind of see the quarterback situation playing out. That's what I think is going to happen. And it, it, it's contingent, obviously, on what they do in the draft, but that's how I see it playing out. So, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. To my Blue Crew community members, no Q&A this weekend. But next week, I will have information on our community mock draft. Make sure you look for that. 